Adventures, everybody. I'm Melissa Bonzak, and welcome to episode 64 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with the authors that you should be reading. It is Thursday, May 21st, 2020, and I'm dying to know what you're reading. I'm almost done with my current book, so I need some suggestions, and I read anything and everything. So if you are an author, drop down to the show notes, click on the comment link, and let me know what you've written. And if you are a reader, let me know what's good lately. What has been your favorite book? Okay, let's get on straight to today's show. Uh, I have got three authors joining me, and we're going to talk about reader expectations. I've got a young adult author, a fantasy paranormal writer, and a thriller writer, and then I write cozy. So we're all going to chat about that. It was really, really interesting conversation. So let's get right to it, and I'll see you after. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I want to welcome, and I'm going to do a little bio real quick of everybody. We've got some new people on the show this week who have not been here before. I'm going to start with J.R. Pierce Nelson, and she's there in the bottom left if you're watching on video. Let me read her bio real quick. She's a fantasy and romance writer from Oregon, USA. She lives with her husband and two daughters among the plentiful trees and clouds of the beautiful Willamette Valley. Did I say that right? Willamette Valley. Willamette, yeah. it's never pronounced how it's supposed to be. Uh, JR is always searching for the magic in our world. She weaves tales rooted in mythology, bringing legend to life in modern day and fantasy settings. JR is the author of the Water Right Fantasy Series, the Foul Weather Twins Fantasy Series, and the Of the Blood Fantasy Romance Series. You can contact her and learn more about her on her website, jrpiercenelson.com, and I'll mention websites and contact information again at the end. And definitely check out her books. The covers are gorgeous. And then I have got, well, if I can make my computer go to the next, come on. <laughs> it's frozen on me. Uh, oh, there I am. I was clicking on the wrong button. I'm terrible at technology. All right, then I've got Terry with me, Terry Kolika. She's in the upper left of the screen if you're looking. And she writes young adult. After a career working with learning dis disabled students at an, as an English teacher, Terry felt inspired to write about what she knows. The young visually impaired sleuth Sunny McBain was born. Now the author of two books in her mystery series and busily working on the third, Terry spends her downtime work, uh, enjoying South Florida with her husband and four cats. While out and about, she's always ready to jot down another idea for a new clue, wherever that may turn up. And uh, yeah, her books are fun. Uh, I like that she uh, has a disabled heroine, and as a hearing impaired, I'm deaf and wear cochlear implants. So I really appreciate um, when uh, uh, people are represented that aren't always represented. Okay, and I'm going to grab my phone for, <laughs> I just lost Will's. Okay, and then in the bottom right of our screen is Dr. Will Pepper, and you did that on purpose, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> and what are you, what, what are you a doctor of, Will? I am not a medical doctor, so I can't give any good advice on that, anything like that, but I am a technology doctor. Technology doctor, okay. And he, he has been published in multiple academic journals for his work in technology. And when he's not face down on a keyboard, he travels the country sharing motiva motivational stories to colleges, businesses, and organizations. And you are working on your first thriller novel, right? And you're not published yet. Correct. Okay, which is which? I was really excited. 
I'm sorry, you're not published yet, but I was excited to hear how you would respond to these things that we're going to talk about today. And we're talking about, uh, and then everybody knows me, if you listen to the podcast, and if you don't, uh, I write, um, what do I write? Cozy Mysteries and Nonfiction for Writers. But I'm just uh, working, uh, just talking about the Cozy Mysteries today, and um, I'll have my links and things at the end. So we're talking about reader expectations. So as you sit at your computer and you think about your stories, how much does what the reader want factor into what you write? And let's start with JR. Yeah, I think that's such a great question. Um, I think there are multiple stages of the process where I'm thinking about reader expectations. Um, and then there are other parts of the process where I'm really kind of closed to reader expectations. Um, and part of that is just about being able to get the work done. <laughs> um, if I'm thinking about readers constantly, I'm probably going to have a lot of struggle actually getting sentences down on the page. Um, so when I'm thinking about a story idea, um, it, it, as, it, as I flesh it out and I, and I start to determine what sort of genre I'm working in, because often I start with a character or a setting, and then it kind of builds from there. Um, when I determine a genre, that is when I'm really starting to think about what are reader expectations for that, for that genre. Um, and then in my writing process, I don't think about reader expectations too much. Um, I have written at this point um, about 16 novels. Um, so I think I, I thought about it through more of the process earlier on. And now I just kind of, once I have my plan, I close myself to that <laughs> um, constant consideration of readers and I just, just move forward. Um, so that's, we've yeah, got you frozen on the screen, but you're still talking. <laughs> I know you look, you look, there we go. Okay. <laughs> you looked a little concerned. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And with 16 novels under your belt, you probably have a good idea what you really need to worry about and what you don't need to worry about versus someone like me uh, or Terry who are new to the process or will even. So let's, Terry, let's go to you. Now you have, you're like me, you have two books written and you're working on your third. Plus I know you started another series in Cozy. So what are your thoughts on reader expectation? Well, I, I think it's very important. Um, and I made a mistake when I wrote uh, my Sonny McBain mysteries. I classified them as uh, young adult. And what I'm finding is I didn't have the tropes in the books that most young adults want. They want a lot of angst and they want, you know, some more sex than that's in my books. And, and, and then um, I was lucky enough uh, to actually uh, get to uh, visit a, a teacher friend of mine in her class. And I've done a couple of virtual classes with her. And she teaches fourth grade. And believe it or not, there are students in there that are really enjoying the books. So, you know, kids kids really read up. I mean, I, I've been told that before. But uh, I aimed this book basically uh, as the Sonny McBain is, is a high school student getting ready to graduate. That's where the series starts. So I thought, well, it's going to be high school and up. And not at all. So reader expectations, if you can really, you know, uh, know your audience, uh, you will have, a, you know, a greater, greater, more fun and a greater time writing it. Uh, they're really, really important. 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Do you think that you will repackage the books geared toward middle school? I definitely think I will. And, uh, you know, right now I'm actually writing a prequel uh, to the series. And uh, I have a little fourth grader who uh, who won a little contest in the class and, and wrote the first paragraph of the novel. I'm going to include that. And uh, so um, I'll be asking her a lot of questions. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And for you, Will, you've got, you said you you're, have not published yet, but as right. you're working on your books, how much are you thinking about the people who are going to read them? You know, you make a, a great point. Considering I don't have any official readers out there, I do motivational speaking. And my wife and I travel the country doing that. And before we meet with people, or actually during the uh, beginning process, we send out a questionnaire. And that's to find out about the audience, about what they're looking for in a speaker, what they expect. And, and it allowed me to kind of look at, before I started on something, okay, what's similar in the genre? What kind of things do I like in it? And when it comes to my personal writing, my wife and our beta readers are key because they have been amazingly helpful. In the first several drafts, again, I think uh, JR talked about, you know, you put it out there, you start working on that draft. And I have that first draft and I'm sure like everybody else in this room, my ideas are bouncing around everywhere. And I'm like, oh, it's a perfect idea. Put it on the paper, go with that. And then when I get done and get the beta readers take a crack at it, I find myself adding in things. I go, oh, miss something completely. And I, you know, it's been so helpful for me to say, okay, in th this version, I'm able to say, okay, there's some changes I should have done because I'm viewing our readers, they're on a journey and, it, and people on a journey expect certain things. They also deserve certain things. And by going through, you have to make sure that at the end of a story, people don't feel gypped. Yeah, 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 and 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 that brings us right into my next my next question. And we'll start with Jr. Okay, so you write series. Do you have an overall cliffhanger? Do do does each book end wrap up storylines? Can you leave cliffhangers for your readers? That's a really great question, um, and I think it does depend on genre expectations. Um, so. For the fantasy that I write, I actually, um, each one of those novels, at least, so I have two fantasy trilogies, and the books one and two of each of those end in pretty big cliffhangers, um, which people often really do not like, but um, for me, it had to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how every season ends with that big cliffhanger. And so when I'm working on something kind of tight like a fantasy trilogy I like that style of ending book one with a cliffhanger book two with a cliffhanger and then really resolving things in book three because I feel like that's kind of what makes it really hang together um, oh we lost you we lost you no we, st we still can't hear you oh everybody muted let's see Huh, we lost you again? Okay, there- Oh, there we go, we got you back. Okay, okay. cool. Um, so in the future, I'm going to write like books one and two before I release in a fantasy trilogy um, because I want to satisfy that reader expectation more quickly. Um, in the past, I've made a mistake of, of hanging too long in between books. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, now with, with, uh, with, you, with your books, now with my books, with Cozy, 
I wrap everything up. I do have, I did end up with um, something that happened in book one that I actually kind of forgot about. And then I incorporated, incorporated it into book two, uh, uh, but it wasn't really a, a cliffhanger type thing. Uh, so no one really came to me and said, oh, you know, you didn't wrap up this one storyline. But how about you, Terry? Do you find that, was there anything unwrapped up? Did, did people come back to you wondering, wait, waiting for the next book, wondering what, how you were gonna wrap up the storyline? I think I did a little of both. Uh, the actual mystery in the first story was wrapped up, but um, there's a there was a line, you know, going through it where Sonny McBain wanted, she's adopted, so she wanted to meet her real mother. And at the end, she had actually um, met her real father, and he he insinuated that, let's go and find your real mother. She's seems to be in trouble. So that set up the second book. And then um, the second book, they go to England to find her real mother. Again, there's a mystery there, and that mystery is summed up. But there's a romance that is starting. Sonny McBain is sort of starting a romance. And at the end, uh, you know that, that this guy is going to try to come for Christmas. And that's the third book in, in the series. And there'll be a new mystery with that one, too. Ah, nice. Now, Will, as you are writing, are you thinking about cliffhangers or overall story arcs? Yes, yes. Uh, every manuscript I look at or work on, I think, okay, where could this go in the greater world? How can this expand? And everything that I work on does have an ending, but it doesn't wrap up all the questions. I am not the type of writer that, or reader that likes everything wrapped up with a nice, nice neat little bow, my wife and I really enjoyed Downton Abbey, and it was a great show, but they did wrap everything up in a nice, neat little bow, uh, and then they did the movie, which was added too, but at the end of the series, everybody had an answer, and I feel like sometimes things need, sometimes you need a little more. Like in life, you don't get everything answered. So when it comes to uh, cliffhangers, I, I'm a fan of them. I think they're good. I think that, but you have to wrap up some story in the actual book. Uh, I was thinking about, I compared this to Harry Potter. If Harry in the first book faced Voldemort and destroyed Voldemort, you would have that little bit of satisfaction, but the readers had such greater satisfaction as you worked out over a series and you had little wins and little losses. So I think that uh, you have to, you have to resolve. And if you leave a major cliffhanger and don't resolve, I compared it to this, like in the 2000s, there was a movie called How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. If you write a book where nothing is resolved and everything is a cliffhanger, I'm pretty sure that's how you lose a fan in one day. <laughs> yes, yes, mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, it's interesting that these same people that get upset about cliffhangers, whether they like them or don't, they're usually the opposite when it comes to TV. Right. You know, they're okay when they're TV series, like with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They're okay when it ends on the cliffhanger. Um, but when the book ends on the cliffhanger, they are angry. They'll leave bad reviews and they'll send you messages and, and all that. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm starting, uh, I'm outlining, I'm, I'm going to use a pen name and write a, um, a fantasy series next year and it's five books and each one ends on a cliffhanger. So yeah. I'm hoping that, <laughs> that, uh, that my audience, that audience will be okay with that. I'm going to do some more uh, research because I like fantasy. And I thought, well, no, I want to switch things up some. Can I add one more thing? Oh, yeah, I yeah, please. Up, 
I grew up reading comic books. Let me see if I can pull this. Oh, Spider-Man, yeah. Okay, I love Spider-Man. I cannot tell you the number of comics that I read where at the end of the comic, Spider-Man was poisoned or buried or under something and says, will he make it? Come back in 30 days to find out. Yeah. I came back in 30 days. I was angry. I was like, I want to know, but I came back in 30 days. So oh, yeah. again, yeah. you know, it well, you worked know, for them. They trained, people were trained from the beginning because that's how the comic books always were. They always ended in the cliffhanger. And so that's what they knew. And that's what they, it's what they expected. So, so let's talk about other expectations. Setting. I write cozy mystery. And I didn't realize I wrote cozy mystery. I, I just wrote a mystery. And, and someone said, well, is it a cozy? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, does it take place in, in a small town? And I said, well, yeah, to start. But every book in the series, she's in a different town. And uh, is there sex? No, there's no sex. Is there blood? No, there's a body, but there's, well, there's blood and a little bit of blood, but you don't see it. So those were the expectations. And the setting was very important. People wanted that small town. They wanted this, those few characters that you read, the quirky characters, that quirky little town. So that's what's expected for a cozy. Do you find that you get tired of that expectation and you want to change it up, but are you worried that your readers won't come along? And how do you handle setting in your books? Let's start with you, JR. Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, so I think this is one of the reasons that I skip around so much and I can't stick with writing solely in one genre. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a little, you're a little soft. All right, um, so yeah, I, um, in fact, I wanna write cozies in the, in the future, um, a paranormal cozy. Um, I've got a couple of ideas in that area. So I think between switching genres and switching um, series, I managed to keep my setting fresh enough that I still wanna show up and, and write there. Um, and then, you know, I think probably because I, I have it structured as a um, as a real contained, usually, you know, sometimes I have other entries where I could introduce a new series in a world or something like that. But um, I sort of have an idea of how many books I'm living in this world for. And I think that helps. Uh, but yeah, in fantasy, setting is super important. And the romance that I write is fantasy romance. So also the world building um, and fantasy elements are a really important part of my book. And that's part of why I, I actually really love <laughs> writing what I write. Yeah. Well, you know, we have to love what we write or there's no point in doing it. Definitely. And then how about you, Terry? Um, yeah, I think setting is really important as, as a reader. I think it's just uh, almost like another character in the story as far as cozy mysteries and, and setting McBain mysteries are cozy. Um, also, um, I think that because of her blindness, um, I don't put in as much description because, you know, every, everything that's descriptive has to come to her through her friends or her parents or something. But, um, it's very important to me and, and just to, um, sort of talk to JR there, um, there's a paranormal limit or element in my book too and um, because she sees auras around every living thing and she's able to read 
people's emotions through the oars. They change colors. So if you do write your cozy mystery, I think it can be sort of paranormal and a cozy too, if you want it to. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and how about you, Will, as you are putting your thrillers together, I take, you're probably a fan of thrillers. That's why you decided to write thrillers. Correct. So are you, with look, I mean, are you worried about, what, what are the location expectations or the setting expectations for thrillers? Well, you know, one of the things I'm glad you asked about settings, uh, yes, they're very important. And these things are the most difficult for me to write. They're my biggest weakness. It's one of the things I'm working on. It's one of the reasons I'm not, uh, one of the reasons I'm not published yet is because you do need a certain amount of that. It's more than thriller. You expect action, 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 but you need that little bit of lull. Some of the best movies out there have that lull. Terminator 2, I love, it's one of the best action movies out there, but it has such a lull, it has such a setting, that desert, you understand the wasteland of the future because you are in a desert. And I was thinking about this in horror stories. Uh, we recently watched uh, Dr. Sleep, and you don't have The Shining without the Stanley Hotel. You have a ghost story that people say, oh, it was a ghost story. No, people are scared to death of that hotel. So settings are key. And further, some of the things in settings like inanimate objects. One of my favorite movies is Little Miss Sunshine. And it's people haven't seen that. It's a movie where a family goes across pretty much the country in a VW bug. And that, a VW bus, excuse me. And that bus is as much part of the family in the story as any setting. So you have a real feeling that uh, I think it's crucial. It's very important. It's a powerful tool that should not be overlooked. You know, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the, if you haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine, you really need to because, yeah, the, 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 the VW bus was a character in the film and the Stanley Hotel. You're right. I kept wondering why I didn't want to see Dr. Sleep. You know, I saw the, the ad about it and, I, and I, I watched the trailer and I, and I loved The Shining. The book was great. The movie was great. And I, I, I could not put my finger on it, but you're absolutely right. Without that hotel, why? There's no point. There's absolutely no point. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to my mother's favorite subject. She's not listening. Sex. So I write Cozy Mystery. And every time I would share, she'd say to me, read me something of what you're writing. And I'd read and she'd say, where's the sex? Where's the love? Where's the love? There's no love. It's like, mom, it's not, there's, there's no, there's no sex in my books because they're 48 hours and there's a mystery and she's usually being chased and she only has 48 hours. There's no time for love. Though she tried it the last one and still didn't have time. So how much, what are the expectations for sex in your books? And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure even with the expectations how much I could write sex because I get very giggly and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure I could write it even. So for your books, what are the expectations and how do you handle those expectations with a subject like sex? Let's start with you, JR. So this is, yeah, this isn't, it's definitely an area that I've struggled with um, because I, I write um, fantasy that has younger characters um, and then I write romances um, where it's, you know, a given couple in each book and there's an overarching fantasy plot happening also. Um, so obviously in the romances, I do have love scenes. Um, 
I tend to focus them a little bit more on the emotion than the physicality <laughs> um, is sort of the way that I handle it in order to make sure that it, um, it really works with my overall brand. Um, I guess I don't want to, I don't want people to be surprised by how much sex there is in the romance or how little there is in the fantasy. Um, so I try to kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Um, and that does mean that for romance readers, I don't appeal to a lot of romance readers who are, who really want more of, of the love scenes. Um, because my romances are focused, um, on that theme of love conquers all and in the midst of a, of a fantasy plot. So like you were saying, Melissa, there's, um, there's a lot of action, <laughs> um, and a lot of magic. And so it's not all in the bedroom. <laughs> And, and for you, Terry, I, I would assume that there wouldn't be too much because you're dealing with high school students that and you, you had said you hadn't didn't really want to have that element in your books. Well, I wrote them for high school, but, but uh, I'm dealing with younger kids. So thank God, because I, I literally cringe trying to write them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I sort of get away with not writing a lot of that. But, you know, I always think about you know, the older books that were written that, that were romance novels, I mean, a lot was left to the imagination, and yet still, they're very sexy. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's always um, uh, a woman in a, with, this, with a silk sheet thrown over various mm -hmm. parts and exposing just a little is much sexier than a naked woman, mm -hmm. or men, same thing. It's mm -hmm. just having that imagination, leaving it to the imagination, for me anyway, is much sexier. Now for you, Will, for when I think thriller, I think James Bond and that guy was, mm -hmm. he never kept it in his pants. So how are you dealing with, are, are you jumping whole hog there into those expectations? You, you know, that's a, that's a, I like the Bond reference there. That's very good. I, I have a question for you. How old is your mother, Melissa? She is 90, she'll be 91 soon. She has dementia, so okay. I'm, but but she she but she remembers she remembers love and she wants to get married again so well that's good i was just thinking that you know your 90 year old mother is saying to her child you need to have more sex in oh, your right my, my mother's always been like that <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh, you know if we were to paraphrase the the philosophers salt and pepper and talk about sex um, i don't think i've written a sex scene yet i've written post sex scenes because those can be awkward and fun if you have a little little fun with it. However, romance, lust, fear, all those play into sex and they play into love. So I play with that a lot in my writing. Um, I think about what Mr. Rogers said, and love's the root of everything. Love is in all learning, all parenting, all relationships, love or the lack of love. And the lack of love is one of the things I work with, with writing villains. And I think about the best villains uh, they do the most vile deeds or they, for some reason of love. It could be misguided. It could be perverted. You know, you have your stalkers out there. They're doing it for love, okay? You know, your Bond villains are right there. You know, they have their big reason for love. Of course, they're going to tell Mr. Bond all this as he's tied down to a table and a chainsaw is coming. But uh, I think that love and sex certainly play into the writing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then after they've explained what they're going to do, they slowly walk away. And you know, the, the, the saw is slowly, I think my favorite um, 
take on the James Bond movies was, um, what's his name who did the, I can't think of his name, Mike Myers, who did the- Austin um, Powers. The Austin Powers movies. Uh, it was funny. And they had, uh, what, uh, Seth, Seth Green was, was the, Stop, kill him now. Don't walk away. What are you doing? Why aren't you killing him now? Thought, that was just hysterical. I have a gun on me. Here, take the gun. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. Shoot him. <laughs> they would get away. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, as, as, we, as we end up here, um, what, are your, what are your ideas for the future? How are you dealing with, you know, with COVID and everything? The, the world is starting to open back up again. But do you plan on... Now, for me, I'm just going to ignore that this ever happened in my books because it doesn't... You know, it, it's kind of, it, well, it's downer, yes. People are dying and, and, and the world has changed as we know it. So how much of what's happening in the world will you or, or would you include in future books? Let's start with you, JR. Um, so I think that it's going to be some time before I'm really um, incorporating details about the pandemic into my fiction. Um, I think I'll wait for... Um, sort of more of our gut level expectations to have adjusted. <laughs> um, because I think that it's kind of in fiction right at this moment, I think it'll feel like a bit of a slap in the face to um, to incorporate pandemic details. Um, you know, we're really in such an evolving situation um, and there's so much uncertainty and there's a, a lot of fear. Um, and I think when people approach my books, what they're looking for is more magic in their life. <laughs> Um, romance, escape, um, adventure, and so I don't think that it's that it's helpful to my reader yet to incorporate that. Now, you know, in ten years, when we're, you know, depending on the the prevalence of face masks in, you know, sort of common culture and the remembrance of this, I think at that point I I will probably incorporate those sorts of details into my fiction. Um, but yeah, it's going to take a lot of time, I think, for our mindsets to really incorporate what's happening right now. Um, so I'll, I'll wait <laughs> until wait. it feels more natural, I guess, to incorporate it. Yeah. How about you, Terry? You know, it, it's scary that in, in my second book, in the Sonny McVeigh Mysteries, the bad guy, sort of bad guy, um, he's got a good heart, but he's actually a doctor that is, is trying to find a cure for a superbug. So I didn't, you know, I wrote it way before the pandemic and, and I haven't really been pushing that book for that reason. Um, it's very, very heavy in theme, uh, you know, where you question a person's motives. They can do really maybe bad things for what they consider good reasons. But um, yeah, I, I agree uh, with JR. I, I don't think I could, especially in a cozy, uh, intentionally now write about a pandemic and have that as the main setting. And you will? I can see it in the future, but not now. I look at Terry's background with the beautiful waves and the palm tree and everything. And so many people, you know, want writing, want to read something as escapism, especially from this. So I don't see myself really writing about this time for a while because people are not going to want to remember this for some, you know, for, for many various reasons. But I can see, I can see in the future some opportunities because, you know, you've got opportunity for crime stories here. You've got so many things that where people were afraid to go out and the opportunities or the people that did venture out. And uh, while that is kind of a post-apocalyptic 
type story that you have heard over and over again. I don't, I don't see myself pursuing that for a, a few years if I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's kind of a, I know that some, I forget which, which um, might've been some post apoc is selling pretty well right now uh, because that's kind of on everybody's mind. Um, but I know for me, I, I, I jump into my escapism, my reading. Um, I don't watch the news. Uh, I go out for my grocery shopping. We go out once a week for grocery shopping and it always surprises me. We've got our masks and everything, but it always surprises me when I step out into the world and go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I've forgotten, you know, because I kind of hide where I am and try not to think about it. Um, uh, but anyway, so let's end on a downer. So let's, let's go around and tell everybody how the readers remind everybody what you write and how people can find you. And let's start with you, JR. I'm a fantasy and romance writer, um, a magic adventure. Um, you could find me at my website, jrpiercenelson.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I love, uh, I love Instagram. <laughs> it's the only social media that I'm really actually spending any time on. Um, so at jrpiercenelson on there. So feel free to find me. And Terry? I write uh, Cozy Mysteries, um, of course, young adult, middle school probably more so, and I'm also venturing into an adult mystery, uh, Cozy Mystery, where I feel pretty good. And uh, people can find uh, me on my website, uh, Terry M. Colica, uh, like the disease, C-O-L-L-I-C-A. And um, I'm also on Facebook and um, and hopefully uh, I'd like to get more involved in Instagram too. And Will, uh, your books aren't out yet, but do you have a website? I do. Uh, our, our speaking website is theotherdrpepper.com. We do the motivational speaking and continuing education through the country. But uh, while, we, while we're talking about projects, in June, I plan on finishing up an interactive digital short and releasing it on Amazon. And when I say interactive digital, I grew up reading the stories where you read to the bottom of the page and then would say you had to make a decision, like if the hero was to go down this windy road or if they were going to go down this ladder. You know, you turn to this page or you turn to that page. And so my plan is to uh, release this and for all the profits that I would normally receive to be uh, donated to those impacted by COVID-19. I can't reveal much more about the charities we're looking at, but it will be on our business's uh, Facebook page. Our business is uh, better than better than free, uh, dot com, and our our website is for Facebook. I'm, I'm reading exactly, uh, facebook.com forward slash better than free LLC, and that is T H E E N. I'm sorry, uh, better than T H A N and uh, LLC, and uh, we'll be changing our name. We had every intention to change our name to the other Dr Pepper because that's been the, what people have been calling me and that will happen, but that will also be on our Facebook page as well. Oh, nice, nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, everybody who reads, who reads, who listens to the podcast knows uh, where to find my things. It's melissabonzak.com, written mm -hmm. just like it sounds. Uh, you drop down to the show notes and I will have everyone's links for their books and for their websites and projects and you can find everything there. If you want to comment on the show, follow the link. I have all comments going to our YouTube page so I can find them. Uh, when people comment on the podcast, it's the podcast is all over. 
and so I don't always see them. So make sure if you want to comment, drop down to that link in the notes and click that link. And I want to thank everybody for coming on today. It was really, really interesting. And thank you, Terry. We talked about doing uh, something like this uh, earlier. And uh, oops. <laughs> and uh, Terry came up with a bunch of the questions. So uh, thank you so much, Terry and uh, Will and JR. And um, I, I'm sure I'll have you all on again soon. Um, you have to come back and do one of our uh, writing prompt shows. So, uh, yeah, and if, if you have not listened to the writing prompt shows, what we do is we get three or four writers and we use the writing prompt books that my co-author Lisa and I wrote called Roll a Prompt. And we roll dice and you create a prompt and then you write for 20 minutes and then you read what you wrote. You try to write a short story. So I know it's a lot of fun and we've done it. I think we've done it three times now and I'll put some links to them in the show notes if people like that. And uh, you'll have to come back on. We'll be doing one again next sometime next month. So um, it'd be fun to have you both back for that. So thank you everybody. And uh, I will probably chat with you soon. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet y'all. Bye, JR. Thanks everybody. That was really, really interesting. And, you know, we talked about setting and until Will said about, uh, until Will talked about that sequel for uh, The Shining, Mr. Murder, I think it was called. And I know setting is important, but until he talked about the hotel, it didn't really click with me. Oh yeah, the hotel is the reason why I didn't want to ever see that movie. I had no interest. If they had shown him in that hotel, recalling his childhood. I mean, it was such a traumatic childhood. It was just that summer, but still think about that. If you're an adult going back to that hotel, how is it going to affect you? So I think if the hotel had um, been featured in the trailer, I probably would have been the first person in the theater to watch it because I love The Shining. I love the book. I really love the movie. So yeah, setting is so important. And as an author, I know setting's important, but sometimes you just don't really think about things until you don't really think about them. So I want to thank everybody again for coming on, JR and Terry and Will. It was really fun. It was really interesting. You will find all of their books and their contact information in the show notes. So drop down and, and find them. Find them. Read their books. Uh, sign up for uh, Will. Will probably has a mailing list, and if he doesn't, he should, to get his thriller readers ready for his first book. And uh, I know the other two probably have mailing lists. I do. So you'll find that in the show notes. We are also on Instagram if you want to comment or uh, whatever. So you'll find us there too. So uh, I'll have a great show for you next time. And in the meantime, go read a good book. Mm -hmm.